Welcome to the Property Unleashed podcast, a show about property, entrepreneurship, and personal development. This show is designed to give you the foundations and building blocks to move forward on your journey and live a more inspired life. Hello and welcome to the Property Unleashed podcast with me, Mark Fitzgerald. It's fantastic to have you joining me here today. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, then welcome. It's always great to have new listeners. And if you are a repeat listener, then thank you for continuing showing up. And that shows that you've got dedication in what you're trying to achieve. So today I have a fantastic guest here. Uh, Kevin Whelan is joining me on the show. Now, Kevin is one of the UK's leading experts and authorities in creating wealth. He is an economist, he, an author and the founder of Wealth Builders, an organization dedicated to helping create multiple streams of reoccurring income independently from your job or business. Kevin teaches a simple, step-by-step, easy-to-follow process that anyone can use when building wealth. So it's great to have him on the show because that's what we're all about here, building wealth, building businesses, and strengthening our mindset. So welcome, Kevin. Great to have you here today. Hello, Mark, and thanks very much for the invitation and for the uh, <laughs> very lengthy, well-placed introduction. Uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So really, Kevin, if you could just share with us, you know, a bit about your journey, where you've sort of started, where you've come from and, and where, you, where you're heading, if, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I think always I'll, I'll start with uh, reverse if I can, because I think we're heading into a storm at the moment, Mark. I think it's a perfect storm and it's a storm made up of, I think, four winds that are blowing on us from all directions. You know, normally... Uh, as an economist, you mentioned I study kind of financial data and you're normally getting buffeted by one side or the other. You know, you might see a little bit of inflation or you might see some stock market volatility. But now we've got the combination of winds coming north, south, east and west from spiraling inflation that no government seems able to control it. Uh, we can we can argue that they think rising interest rates uh, in the the Fed in the U.S. Are, are arguing that we should be they should be going for um, uh, very aggressive interest rate rises. Uh, it simply won't work because all that will do is will put greater pressure on people to run their lives, and those of us in the property world will find our margins squeezed. Um, and and of course, when you combine that with uh, not just those interest rates, but a recession on the way and uh, stock market volatility, and then you add on top of that an extra layer of uh, economic and social unrest with people going on strike. You've never seen, you ever seen barristers going on strike before? Crumbs. There's so much going on. The temptation, Mark, is to hunker down and try and yeah. tighten your belt and save your way. But you can't do that. You can only expand your way to wealth. And really, that's where my journey started because um, way back in the early 90s, my father died very young at 46. And uh, he was a North Sea oil rig worker, had a business there, was kind of an agent, you know, BP and other companies would hire him, but also hire him to hire other people. So he was an agent, good business. Uh, we were doing okay as a family. He died suddenly uh, and unfortunately didn't have a business succession plan didn't have anything to protect the family, no life cover, no will. Uh, that's another thing that's important to me. Um, and as a result, the family went backwards when before that they were going very far forwards. And it kind of made me realize is that uh, when I was could see, you know, we were cut from the same genetic cloth, myself and my dad, we definitely looked the same. You know, we were real peas in a pod there. I just made the decision that I couldn't, have sort of the uncertainty of trading time for money uh, to be, uh, you know, a, a limitation on me for a family that I wanted to have. So I, I resolved when I was about 29 to become completely financially independent uh, by the age of 45, a year before uh, he passed on. And I just set my brain to work to determine well what what's going to get in the way of that and and how can I kind of create things that I could own 
that would put money into my life and that money would keep flowing even if Kevin wasn't there to continue it. And that's what I've been able to do. So I've studied it now for over 30 years, Mark. This wizened look has been honed by years of study and application. Um, And now I teach it and I've been teaching it for probably about 15 now. Um, So it took me 15 years to become completely financially independent, mortgage-free, and, and, and as much money coming in that I needed for the rest of my life. But you know what? What I know now is I could I could probably do that in a third of the time. I think right. with the, the skill, with the guidance, with the training, with the uh, communities that are being created now and things like this, you know, a podcast sharing information that you don't have to be there to get. You can be multitasking you could be riding your bike you could be on the gym you could be doing what you want to do uh, and you can get access to inspiration and guidance much more easily so i think that's uh, very powerful now and i believe with the right plan and the commitment to follow it anybody can become completely financially dependent in about five to seven years but still 95 percent of the population won't make it because they won't make that sort of strength of commitment. I'm not saying you need tragedy in order to stimulate people to be a catalyst, but there has to be a catalyst. And I think in these economic times that we're seeing now, this storm that's coming, I think now's the time to say, no, I'm not going to let that drive and have to stay you know, restricted and tightened for the next two or three years when the opportunities will be out there for those of us who've got the resourcefulness to look for them and to learn our way and expand our way into building wealth. So I know it was a short question you asked and a very long answer, but I hope it was instructional or at least gave you and I another reason to have a follow-up uh, a follow-up question or two. Well, no, I mean, it's exactly right. I mean, like you say, as we're heading into a recession, everybody now thinks, oh, hang on a minute, I need to pull in the purse strings, I need to I need to batten down the hatches, as you say, prices are going through the roof. But for me, it, it, you've got to stay the course. It's not a case of, you know, you, you could have done six months, 12 months, maybe of doing the right thing. But then potentially now, all of a sudden, you know, the news and everything, they're jumping on recession. They love the word recession, don't they? Because it sells papers, it gets people's attention. But at the end of the day, what does it really, really mean if you're trying to create and build wealth in the long run? And if you you've, you've got to keep doing what is working for you. Now, it might even be through troubled times and things, but I bet you see it all the time that all of a sudden people will be like, well, I, I, maybe I can't you know, invest into that or I've got to hold on to this and I've got to move that. And all you're really doing is prolonging, you know, if you want to build this wealth up, it does take time. And I think with a get get rich quick is like what everybody hears and sees all the time, but it really isn't. You've got to stay the course. If you're going to, like myself, if you're building a business and a brand and everything, it takes time to get it out there. You've got to be consistent and persistent in your approach. And you've got to do exactly the same in in building, you know, wealth in, in and having multiple streams, so to speak, working for you in the background. So as we go into the recession, what would you sort of recommend to people that they continue to either keep doing or what we, what do you recommend to your students, so to speak, to keep them on the right path when all of a sudden maybe you get a bit scared, you get a bit freaked out and you're thinking to yourself, maybe maybe this isn't the right time for doing this sort of thing. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I would say the the way to do that, first of all, starts with just thinking about things in your mind and saying, look, in the context of whatever you're doing, Everything is a market. You know, it's weather. You don't mm. stop doing things because the weather's terrible. You might stop for a day, but you don't stop. You know, you've got to find a way. We live in all sorts of circumstances. So it's just economic weather. Now, when the weather is uncertain in one direction or another, you can just look at that and say, well, where is the opportunity? Where is another market that's opening up? Um, so everybody tells me, oh, I can't buy property now. Right, I can't make it work. I can't get the yields to work. There's too much competition. There are too many people doing this or that. Uh, I'm just going to, as you say, batten down the hatches for the next two years, stick my nose to the grindstone, do the nine to five in my job or my business, and I'll take care of my wealth in the future. Okay, I get that. But, but of course, the real skill is creativity. So if you can see or learn from other people that there are markets and opportunities that will open up 
as a direct consequence of other people feeling that way. So let's give a, an example or two. When interest rates rise and around 75% of the population who've got a mortgage are on fixed rates. So when those rises come, people will realize when they come to the end of their fixed rate, their rates are gonna go up. And what will some landlords do for those in property? Uh, they will have seen good capital uh, increases in the value of their properties. They will have seen that their mortgages are gonna be squeezed and may be fed up with uh, what came with the government intervention in section 24. Some will have responded to it and done well, some will not have created limited companies and so on. So there'll be lots and lots of landlords who will be getting rid of their stock. So there's an opportunity to either work with landlords, to rent to rent, to purchase lease option, to buy portfolios uh, when people are looking to do that. So there are opportunities to do that. <clears throat> the other thing is whenever you get challenging markets, when too many people are doing the same thing, is look for niches where something else you know you could do. So, for example, um, why not look for properties which would be say unmortgageable, so that by and you know many different ways to get resources so you can find funding. So let's just assume that's possible. And if you want to ask me about how you could do that, I could give you some examples where funding can come from places you don't expect, right under your nose, but you don't know the money is there. And I'll touch on that one. But let's imagine you could do that. And we're seeing now communities of people uh, creating funding for each other so that they can actually find and, and fund properties so that they can buy the property without the need for a mortgage, which then distances them from so many other people who need to get a mortgage. And therefore, they can create more value. And then once they can create the value and improve the property, they can get a mortgage at that point get the money back out and this whole circle of people helping each other or you helping yourself can come true. There are dozens and dozens of examples, Mark, where niche opportunities uh, will flow from looking in detail at a market rather than letting the market determine anything. It's like saying the stock market, you know, goes up and it goes down. We can't do anything about it. But there are so many techniques and strategies that you can use to risk mitigate stock market falls. And we teach those to our wealth builder students, you know, four or five different strategies to say, you don't have to ride the market until it falls all the way to the bottom. And then you wait for it to ride. You, you don't have to do those things. You can be involved with your money, whether it's stock market, whether it's business, whether it's property, whatever asset you want to build. And my argument is, Mark, that because there are seven different assets you can use to build wealth, there's always going to be an ebb and flow in there. And there will be one asset that will be much more appropriate to look at. And if you can build within your own ability, the willingness to make distinctions, to understand that somebody's made an intellectual shortcut for you, that they'd be willing to share with you. I don't know about you, Mark. I find that people who are building their wealth in property and in business and other areas are sharers. You know, look at you, you know, you've what, 100 and odd episodes, you know, on a podcast where you committed to sharing. You don't really know who's on the other end, but you're sharing. And there are loads yeah. of people like you. So I commend you for that. I take my hat off to you for that commitment and so many other people like it. So I would say get into communities where other people uh, can share with you a distinction or two that can send you in a different path that you didn't know because the wind was buffeting you and you couldn't hear it, you know, but you put your noise cancelling headphones on, your wealth headphones, and now you can get rid of all the noise and you can just look at people who are doing some smart, creative things. And Wealth Builders is about building a community, it's around 5,000 now, uh, completely focused on building their wealth and all being creative and trying to help each other so we're all building our wealth at different paces and in different ways and in different markets. But that's what really uh, we're all about. I mean, I think it's great because at the end of the day, it, like you said, it's the mindset thing. It's the community. Surround yourself with like-minded people to help push and drive you forward. 
But I think also if you are moving in the right direction, I know from my corporate world and the corporate jobs that I, I was doing and everything, that it's all very narrow minded. Nobody wants to share anything. Nobody wants to give any secrets away. They all want to keep it close. But yeah. if you're actually the competition when when building wealth, when like you say, how you're building wealth could be completely different to how I'm building wealth. But we have a chat and we both give each other maybe some ideas that we, maybe we just hadn't thought about because we hadn't looked at it from that perspective. And, and that's the beauty of being in those communities. And as you say, the training's there to help and support you, but it's the communities that will keep you on track, that will keep you pushing forward. And I, I, I'm a massive believer in surrounding yourself and further education as well. If there's something that you, you want to look at and you want to push yourself towards, find out who's doing that and then obviously do your due diligence on those people and everything. But then if it's the right um, training and the right community, then it's a bit of a no-brainer to really help you move forward. But just make sure that you're one of these people that will listen, learn, and take action because there's far too many people that won't do. But talking about the unmortgageable uh, properties and things, obviously, I mean, you've got your SASH pensions that you can use, and I know you're very big on, on the SASH pension side of things. You've also, there's a lot of crowdfunding sort of platforms that you can use as well. But have you got any other other ones that the listeners can, can take a few uh, tips from? Well, let's just touch on the SAS there for a moment because I'm a great believer in the fact that there's no lack of resources in the world to help you build your wealth. There's just often a lack of resourcefulness. And that means being humble and being open-minded to receiving, you know, information yeah. and, and communities as you were talking about a moment ago. So one of the things that um, I'm a challenging individual, uh, I don't like the status quo. I don't like things just because they were always done that way. And the biggest one that I found in the UK is the very poor value that pensions are in the UK. So most people have got them. You know, they've got them from their job or they've got them personally or they've got them in a new job. You know, so they've got pensions as the biggest source of wealth in the UK. But but people are using them in the wrong way, in my view, because they delegate that money often to an industry which is really only motivated by the long-term value of the money they hold rather than the results for each individual and where they are on their life. Uh, and one of the things that uh, challenging to me is the costs. You know, the fees for running pensions, there are seven layers of cost often, and more often than not, they're at least 2%. And if the average return in the stock market is, say, 6%, long-term, taking out the booms and the bumps, you know, you're paying a third of your money to an industry, and the industry is there to make money. And, and I understand it, and I'm not saying it's it's a terrible thing, but I'm saying if you can be creative, and more and more property people have created limited companies. Hmm. And once you create a limited company, you become eligible to uh, to be able to take control of your pension. So instead of allowing it to be held by somebody else, run by somebody else, and managed by somebody else, you can take control yourself. And by taking control of yourself, and it's not a difficult process. Yes, there are some rules. Yes, there's some knowledge. Yes, there's some guidance you might need. But that's the biggest source of funding that we find, that when people use their own pensions and they turn that into accessible money they can use for property, uh, commercial, commercial to residential, service to accommodation, uh, supported living, a whole raft of different ways and means to acquire property. But the other value in that is, as I mentioned, community. And you talked about community in terms of environment of support, but we're also seeing communities of people who created their own SASs. And because they can see the opportunity in property, the security in property, let's say, they might favor that more so than the volatility of the stock market. So they'll they can become a bank. Hmm. So they can lend their money, whether it's to crowdfunding institutions and get, you know, typically somewhere around 7 8% <coughs> on their money uh, without the fees associated with the management and without that volatility. Or they can join venture and collaborate with others where they can participate with others. So the money is becoming increasingly now under control because as margins are squeezed, um, you know, when interest rates go up, lenders will take more profit. And as they take more profit, 
that puts the interest rates up even further, which means the underwriting often gets tighter. So when you get a combination of events like that, that we saw in 2007, 2008, uh, underwriting got incredibly tight. Then that creativity, which is when we started this really around 2008, 2009, started this kind of SaaS concept of people taking control over their own money and they can lend money to themselves. And that money they can lend at one over base. So bases one and three quarters, we're talking about, uh, uh, you're talking about one over one over that. So, you know, if, if base rate's one, it's two, base rate is two, is three. So you're only talking about a margin of 1% and uh, you're paying that money to yourself. So there's so much creativity um, and a podcast isn't often the best way to, to give that information in detail, but it's about being curious, isn't it? A podcast is diving into, it's like a trailer for different ideas that you might want to go find out more about. So I'd say if you're into property or you're into business, find out about what a SaaS is, a small self-administered scheme, or, or check us out. And uh, as you say, Mark, we do thousands of SaaSes and help you know thousands of business owners and property business owners gain more control over their money because you don't want somebody else to be in control of you having to repay your money. If you imagine yeah. one day the lenders all say, right, you've got to pay your money back, you know, then all of a sudden you now know who you're working for. So you've set up a business, but the business is working for your bank. Well, I prefer that not to happen and be in complete control of uh, money. So I tend to work entirely with private capital, not with uh, institutional capital, because I think it's more fun, more interesting, more sharing, and ultimately it shares the money between the people who are doing the work, not the people who are just simply making it as a business. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, uh, and also, I mean, if they go onto the Wealth Builders website, which we'll put all the links in the show notes to and stuff, you you, you do have a, a SASH pension bit there that you can click onto and just find out a bit more and then obviously see if it's uh, if it suits you. But now they're, they're fa- fabulous things. I mean, I'm, I'm in the process at the moment of sorting out my own SASH. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know obviously a lot of other investors that are already using theirs, and it, it's it's another way of building up their pension pots. Like you say, they've got full control over; they can put it into their own sort of property uh, investments to a point. Uh, and as long as you you go about it the right way and know what you're doing, then um, then it is you are your own personal bank, and it, it's a phenomenal thing, a phenomenal thing. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying it's for everyone, Mark. Sometimes it's not right, so I'm not saying you know that. Everyone should do it, but I think everybody should explore it because the journey of exploring says, hey, I'm open-minded. I'm going to have a look at this. Now I understand it after some time. Is this right for me? Is this wrong for me? At least you can make up your mind. So all I'm trying to do is stimulate people to think about different ways they could do things, not to say this is right or this is wrong. Now, I do believe some things are right and wrong, which is I believe it's better to own your own assets than somebody else own them. And I think it's better to be diverse rather than to be singular, because the more diversification you have, the more buffeted you are from um, any market, which is why you know we teach the seven different ways to build wealth, not just property. I know we talked about property because that's your podcast features that, and I get that. But there are other ways to build wealth too. And we would always advocate anyone who's got a sizable property portfolio, whatever strategy they choose to use, that some of the profit that they make from that, they can shelter in their SAS pension or in a pension of any kind, and then diversify that into something else, whether that's the stock market, whether that's business, whether that's cryptocurrency, whether that's gold. It's not for me to say what people should do. It's for me to say, hey, whatever you're interested in, you can look at this and you can build your wealth in as many different ways as you're willing to learn about, take seriously and do enough due diligence to mitigate your risk. Yeah, definitely. And just touching on from that as well, I know you teach the seven pillars of wealth and I just wondered if you could tell us what they are. I can. So that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, we got to, the, the reason we call them pillars is because the the logo of Wealth Builders is kind of seven strong structured pillars like a Parthenon with a roof and a foundation. So the, the pillars, which are the, the kind of mainstay of the whole IP, the intellectual property uh, created by me, is that 
there are seven and only seven ways you can uh, build wealth or assets you can own. So an asset, Mark, is something you own that is not you. It puts money in your bank account while you're asleep. You can always leave that money to good causes or people you care about and love. So that's fine as well. And you don't have to be there for the money to continue to show up. And there are only seven of them. Now, most people intuitively know what they are, but they don't necessarily have a strategy around building all seven. Now, you don't have to build seven, but at least try and get two or three, you know, started at the same time, because all the pillars work in different ways, a bit like uh, planting seeds. You know, you've got different crops, different ways. So most people will understand the first three. So the first one is what we call home capacity, which is how do you use your home, the space around it, to generate an income for you if you chose to? Not saying you have to, right? So what you could do. So some people tap into the equity and use that money uh, to, to use the deposits for property. Other will rent a room. Others will create, um, you know, even build an annex in it, you know. And if you live near Wimbledon, you can rent your home out to tennis players for 30 grand for a week. I mean, who knows? But there's always something you could look at and think about there. The second is, is pension. And we've touched on that, the biggest way that uh, people build wealth in, in the UK but they always kind of put all their eggs in the stock market and that stock market basket can rise and it can fall and it can be a terrible issue for timing and be a terrible issue for value for money. So, you know, we do talk about either massively reduce your costs by going for low cost tracker funds, that kind of thing, or consider a SaaS if you're that kind of an individual or a business owner. And the third is, is investing which is investing in other other markets. So whether it's the cryptocurrency market, the commodity market, the stock market, they're markets which rise and fall um, as well. But what we find that most people do who are not wealthy is too much of their money is invested in markets over which they have no control. So the four assets which you have more control is building a portfolio of property, building a business that works without you, creating intellectual property that multi-purposes and generates recurring income from things you know, things you created. Um, and I can touch on a couple of other ideas there. And the uh, so that's the third and the fourth on that side. So is the uh, is joint ventures and collaborations. So one, two, three, home capacity, pension investing, and then Four, five, six, seven. Four is the property portfolio. Five is your business. Six is your IP. And seven is joint ventures and collaborations. And you can build wealth in all of those. And you can get recurring income from all of those. But equally, you could just have trading income from all of those. In other words, mm. the stock market just goes up and it goes down. You're not banking anything recurring. You could be in a business that just trades time for money. So the idea is to, to think about how do you create multiple streams of recurring income to the value of the life that you want to lead that will give you all the freedom you want? Now, whether that's 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month, 15,000 a month, 20, doesn't matter what the number is, Mark. Everybody's number is going to be different. You could be living life in a tent and, and you want to live frugally for 1,000 a month. That's up to you. But whatever is the lifestyle you want, there's a number that will match up to that lifestyle. If you can measure that, give yourself an idea what it is, then it will show you the gap, the bridge that you need to bridge, if you like, that gap you need to bridge between what's your recurring income now, what do you want it to be to be completely financially independent, and then that will tell you where the gap is. And then what we do is show people how to bridge the gap. So we've created a nine-step process they can use to bridge that gap from often from zero and the most common figure is 10,000 a month. Again, it doesn't matter. So to get from zero to 10. Now that can take five years, right? But here's my thought, Mark. Would you rather spend 40 years of uncertainty putting all your money in the stock market 
living in your home, hoping you might downsize one day? Mm. Or would you rather spend five years and focus on it and become completely financially independent for the rest of your life and the rest of your spouse's life if you die early like my dad and the rest of your kids' lives because you can pass that money on? This is the thing. Yet so few people are willing to take the step. And I understand it's a difficult one, particularly for those where they're consumed in the day-to-day of earning money to pay bills. So there's an intermediate step we encourage people to take called financial security, which is the amount of money you need just to live a lockdown lifestyle, just enough that your bills would be paid so that once you get to that figure, you can afford not to do the day job, or you could afford to change the day job to a day job that gives you three days a week instead of five days a week and so on. Uh, And then you can spend more time building you up. So that's how we do it. And there's a whole raft of lessons in between, but that's the seven pillars. um, And um, everybody's building their wealth in different ways. It's a bit like, um, imagine you had, um, you, you took 100 kids to Legoland, and you said, I want to, I want you to build me a castle, right? It'd all come out different, but they'd all yeah. be something. The bricks would be different colors, the castles would look different, and it's just like wealth. And everybody builds their wealth like Lego bricks different colors, different styles, different strategies, different ways of doing it, different collaborations, some on their own, some with in, in groups, you know, a whole raft of different things. So we know how to do it. And we try and help people build the wealth in the right way for them based on what we use in a tool called Wealth Dynamics that helps us to elicit what's their best way to be in flow, for example, you know, just to to kind of go with it rather than constantly fighting against things. And uh, it's a very fascinating way. And um, anybody would care to look at our Trustpilot reviews will see that um, our our members, you, I think you referred to them as students, but we refer to them as members. Our members get an outstanding result for what they do, and they they build their wealth so that they will certain, they'll be certain that they'll be financially independent. Not always within five years, sometimes quicker, sometimes a little bit longer. It's not a race, but they will all be certain if they stick to the path and follow the path that is easy for us to share once we know more about them and what uh, what finances they've got, what they're interested in, and how much time they're willing to dedicate to it. Yeah, no, that's great. And of course, it, at the end of the day, everybody, well, a lot of people think, I haven't got money. They put it off to the background. They think, to, I'll, I'll start on that later. You know, knowing what I know now and the age that I am now, I wish I'd started 20 years ago. It's one of those things that if you're thinking about it now, get started. Start as soon as you possible for whatever, like you say yourself, for whatever amounts you can, even if you can just start with £10 a month, it's still going to be better than not doing anything. And I think, and, and looking at the, the nine steps that you have going forward. So are they, are they nine steps that you have to do over 12 months or do you, do you just take your time through those steps? How does the process sort of work? Well, it, it's, it's a good question and it's, it's a, it's a constantly revolving process. So, the, the first three steps are what we call the foundation, which is doing your wealth dynamics, getting your mindset right. The second step is, um, is what we call debits, which is a process where we squeeze the juice out of everything that there is to be squeezed in your life to find money. And then you take the money you find and everybody finds money. And then you plant that money like seeds to build your wealth. The third is protecting your roof, which is making sure you've protected your family, you've done your wills, you've done your powers of attorney. I mentioned that my dad hadn't done that. That's an important step. That's the foundation. Now, once you've done that and you've got everything you can possibly get out of yourself, out of your current finances, and you protected your family, you then go on to learn about the seven pillars and try and work out your right strategy. We're then looking at leverage. What's the best way for you specifically? And then within each pillar, what strategy are you going to follow? Hmm. Once you're starting to follow the strategy, there's a whole process of then you repeat, you get bigger, you get stronger, you work on bigger uh, and more powerful pillars. Because when you start, you're never going to be at your best. 
It's like when you started to ride a bike, you know, you needed stabilizer at the start, you get stronger. When you started driving a car, you've your hands and feet are all a, a bit of a mix, aren't they? You're not quite sure how to shuffle them all in the same place, but you get it. But then you're moving on to bigger and better things. And that's so what we're talking about here is we're going on to more sophisticated vehicles. It's a bit like, you know, learning to drive a fast car, a Formula One car, or learning to pilot a helicopter or a small plane. You wouldn't do that without getting some proper instruction and guidance. And that's what we do. We're sort of driving instructors for people's wealth. So they don't backslide, you don't crash, and they don't make horrible mistakes that sends them back into battening down the hatches again. No, well, no, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and no, it, it sounds really, really good. Sounds really good. So I, I, again, I'll, I'll put links in the show notes if anybody wants to take a look at this and, and see what it's all about. You know, Kevin and his team are f- phenomenal with what they put together and things. And, you know, I, I, I think a lot of the listeners here are all about building wealth. It's all about, you know, it's property podcast, but as I say, it's about mindset, entrepreneurship. But at the end of the day, it's like myself, I'm, I'm all about trying to leave a legacy. My why is, is my kids. So at the end of the day, I want to be able to leave my kids something that potentially I've never had myself, which is a bit of financial security so that at least they haven't got massive money worries. Um, and, and this, like as you say, and, and the process that you put forward there is doing it. It's making sure that you're, you know, you're, you're crossing all the T's and you're dotting all the I's along the way. Because, again, it's very, very easy for us not to even just do a will. And, you know, when we actually go, because, again, I used to have the mindset that I'm not worried about that when I'm not here. It doesn't matter. But it does to the people that you're leaving behind. You know, it's massive yeah. that you've got to make sure that things are set up in the right manner, because there's no point in building a bit of wealth, but get buying some properties, getting hold of some assets. If you ha- are parking them in the right vehicles, if you're not leaving them in the right methods, because at the end of the day, all of that um all that you're building will just become a headache to the people around you. And of course, then the government will come in and take their share and it could be a bigger share than it actually needs to be if that's the case. So, you know, you, yourself there with unfortunate events of your, of your father passing away and things, but it was the wake up call that gave you that why that was sort of stronger than you to put yourself where you put yourself now. And I, you know, and I also like, I'm just thinking, going back then in the 1990s, obviously the internet wasn't a massive thing then. It only just started to come out and things like that. So, you know, the knowledge and and finding out about how to create and build wealth, you know, that must have been quite interesting for you because, you know, it's books and things. But I mean, without the, uh, we take it for granted now, don't we? We just switch a laptop or a phone on and we can start Googling and looking things up. But back then you you didn't, did you? No, there was nothing then. Um, I think the internet, you know, came later, I think, in terms of accessibility. I think it was it was a real trial and error thing, but it, which is why I could afford to be slow, because I wasn't in a race. I knew, you know, it was important to me to think about it. So it was more about my own brain working. And I, I kind of resolved that, for me, the best thing to do uh, was, was business. Um, so my primary way of building wealth, so my strongest pillar is business, and so I said about trying to create businesses with recurring income. Now, most businesses don't have recurring income. They might have a repeat customer, but they don't have recurring income. So there are four different ways you can create recurring income in a business. And if I ask business owners, well, how much of your business income is recurring? In the same way as I'd ask somebody who's, who's got a job, how much money would you have coming in if your job stopped? Will it be zero? And similarly with business, but there are so many different ways you can uh, you can do that. So I look at businesses, and uh, written a book about this called The Wealth Coach, uh, which teaches business owners how to look inside their business. And uh, just a couple of examples, you know, one of those would be uh, if you've got if you if you're selling a product, you know, could you add a service? If you've got a service, could you add a product? If you've got the opportunity to create a test of having people, instead of buying the service off you as often as they would buy it, you would you give them an offer to get a subscription, to get a discount on that. You know, or you could even create um, a gateway, which means you don't even have to have the business. You just need to look at, well, who who's, who's looking for things, right? Which is the big trend now. 
uh, especially you've got you, you you've got AdWords, you've got SEO, you've got all sorts of different ways to see what people are looking for. And when you identify what they're looking for, look at, well, what do they do before they buy that thing? What do they do after they buy that thing? And then you can create a kind of a, almost like um, a website that that shows people and gives access to a whole raft and range of different things. And that's what Wealth Builders does because we're essentially a, a central hub of excellence when it comes to wealth. So we're trying to connect not just to what we do, you know, the 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 process of building wealth isn't we teach everything, we just teach a process, but you might need to get some education on a specific type of property, say, or you might need some specific tax advice to avoid inheritance tax, or you might need some help to move your final salary pension or a pension from one place to another, whatever it would be, you know, we've got access to those experts and then we put them together uh, but we are the hub that sits there that says, well, we'll connect you to the right people who are tried and tested and trusted by ourselves and um, that builds our reputation. But I'll just touch on the point you made about uh, kids and, and so on. I've seen so many situations where, uh, you know, parents pass and it's often the older generation pass and the younger generation inherit the money often inherit a problem with the inheritance tax, but but also don't know what was in the mind of the parents and they don't have any skills to be able to take that on. So what we teach in Wealth Builders is a process uh, which is all about um, creating a concept which is called stewardship. So we're not the owners of our wealth. We know we're going to pass it on because that's the definition. You know, if you pass on, the money is still there. But but in order to teach it, if you imagine you're a steward of it, then your the purpose of being a steward is to pass on wisdom. It's not the money you're passing on. It's the knowledge, the connections, the integrity, the process you pass on. And the idea behind mine is to you create a family charter and the charter says there's wealth in the family, but it's not yours. You're there to steward it for the next generation and the generation after that. It's not a right of entitlement that you're just going to get paid a whopping sum of money and you go, woohoo. You know, your your job, the children, is to to be able to access it, to grow your wealth in the way that you want to for your own lifestyle, but to make sure you give back to the next generation of our family so that that they will be looked after as well because so many families um, and we see this everywhere in different countries they've even got a language for it you know shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations or clogs to clogs in three generations whichever country you're in the money goes from the pioneer let's say you and I in this case to the next generation who love it and spend it and the next generation gets a little bit of what's left but then it's gone that's not mm. my plan. So so the, the will is a piece of the puzzle to get done now. It just says, look, take responsibility. Um, but the real joy is stewardship. Uh, and I think right. that's a much more engaging process because it forces you, because you want to teach the kids. And we've got a program coming up uh, called Wealth Builders for Families, how to be a great money role model for your kids where there'll be a whole community of parents sharing what they're doing with their kids that just gets them involved in the money conversation or the sharing conversation or the stewardship conversation. Because we're not trying to build uh, a community of kids who are money grabbing. No, we want them to be aware that part of stewardship is gifting. Part of stewardship is philanthropy. It's doing good for you know the world, for other people, and of course, for yourselves. And I think that's a much more engaging wealth building process than saying, I'd like to have a couple of million in the bank or I, I, I want 10 grand a month coming in. You know, do you, do you get you get the difference? I do. I think that's brilliant, actually. I mean, the stewardship thing 
the whole methodology of that is absolutely phenomenal. And that's something I'd love to, you know, be able to bring my boys into. And, and I think they've re- the, the younger generation now, you know, they're into obviously everything's techie now. It wasn't when I was a kid and stuff, but they're, they're more into the knowledge. They're more into building something up rather than just, you know, spending it or, or, you know, getting rid of it or blowing it all as quickly as possible. So being able to bring them in and say, this is what I'm doing. Come in and have a little look and, and have a go for yourself and mm. to start them at such a young age as well. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think that's great. I'm going to have a look at that myself. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Uh, stuff like that gets me excited because, you know, it, like you say, then it's all right to say, oh, I've left you a handful of properties. Um, we've got this amount of money coming through. We've got a few, you know, stocks and bonds working there and, and all of that. And it's all a bit. But to actually say, you know, this is how you manage this. This is how you control this. And this is how you can continue to, to reap the rewards yourself and not only you, then the next generation, if you have a next generation and all of that. So I, th- I think the whole thing of saying uh, a stewardship is, is brilliant. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's the family's money. We just make sure that we maintain this, so to speak, this pot of money and, and make sure that, um, you know, all the different taps are still pouring uh, the revenues in. Yeah. And the good, the good feeling for me is to be the pioneer. Yeah. To be the first in the generation to think about it, create it, and then construct it. Yeah, um, definitely. So that's that. So the, your listeners now are the pioneers. Yeah. You know? So if you're struck by this and you would like to be a pioneer, just just reach out because this not this not a costed thing. This is just knowledge and information that we want to share with people. You know. So we're willing to give so much information for free because we know how difficult it is. To, to get the thinking done, you know, rather than just, well, would you like to learn about this strategy or this strategy or this strategy? It's about a way of thinking about your life and your family that is different. So Wealth Builders for Families are uh, coming very soon. Brilliant. Well, we'll look out for that. That's great. I'm conscious of your time and everything. It's great to have you on. But I do like to do a little quick fire round where I'll just ask you a few questions. Okay. More because I'm interested than anything else. So the first one is, uh, what's like the a best bit of advice you could give people or that you've been given recently? Best piece of advice I give now is, is be an entrepreneur, try and solve other people's problems, and then you'll never run out of opportunity to do good for yourself and do good for others. Brilliant. I like that. I like that. And if you could sit down and have dinner with three people that are alive, who would you like to sit down and chat to? It can be anybody you like. That's an interesting question. I'd go for uh, Elvis Presley, Nelson Mandela, and Jackie Milburn. Well, Fabi, interesting table. Who was a footballer from the 1950s. Because in my lifetime, I've never seen Newcastle United you know my my team win anything so he he did he won twice so i'd like to talk to him about that <laughs> brilliant brilliant do you have a uh, top 3 podcasts of course you can include your own as well which is the wealth builders uh you know podcasts i dive in and out so i would say you know the the real joy about podcasting is just diving into lots of other people's so what i tend to do is just split um, so rather than focus on any individual one, my, my own is called Wealth Talk. And of course, I'm committed to that like you are every week. Uh, so, no, I don't don't really suggest any individual one because wealth is such a a wide range of things. I'm, I'm diving into lots of people's ideas on the principle of there's always a who who knows something I don't know. And it's not really going to be the same who every week. It's going to be a different who in different times. So I'm a I'm a flitter, like a like a podcast butterfly. Nothing wrong with that. I tend to do that as well. If I'm looking at a certain subject, I'll look at who who looks recognised, who you know who looks trusted, and then have a little listen to the podcast and see if you can pick up tidbits there, so to speak. So uh, yeah, no problem with that. No problem. Have you got a, a top three books or three books you would recommend to the listeners? Well, look, you can't uh, ever get better than. Uh, the seminal books by Kiyosaki, but I would say the best of that bunch is Cash Flow Quadrants. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it's better than Rich Dad Poor Dad. I'd say The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Just a brilliant book. And if you're into business, there's a great book called Built to Sell by a guy called John Warrillow, 
It's double R and double L. Unusual spelling, but uh, definitely one that inspired me on the um, on the different levers you can pull within a business to create much more value in your business. A very, very, very interesting book if you're in into business, specifically in business. Not property. It's not about stock market. It's definitely about business. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's great. I always like the uh, book recommendations because I'm a massive reader. So that's great. Uh, and if the listeners wanted to reach out to you, what's the best uh, channels to to uh, to reach out to you or your business or anything? Well, check us out at wealthbuilders.co.uk. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, or find me on LinkedIn or Facebook and just mention this podcast so we know where you've come from because then we know what you're kind of interested in and and also let's us thank Mark for for being such a, a genial host for us. But uh, you know that's just simple way to do that is just check us out in whichever way you're comfortable and and if you're comfortable, reach out and say, hey, I'd like to know more about that because the the, the actually there is another book called Who Not How. Should have mentioned that. It's a good one. Who Not How. And I try and be the who in other people's lives. So it's not me who's doing the work. It's me saying. All right, now I know you want that. This is the right person to connect to. This is the right person to connect to. This is the right person to connect to. So in order to do that, you need to connect with me on the best way to do that is LinkedIn and say, Kevin, do you know somebody? And I'll do my best to help connect you to somebody who can help you accelerate your wealth to get you from where you are now to where you want to be. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, once again, Kevin, it's been fantastic to have your time. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on and a real privilege. And with the wealth of knowledge, as well as, you know, what you've shared with us today, it's been a really, really good episode, which I am very thankful for. So, uh, yeah. Have you got any final thoughts before you go? Yeah. Do not hunker down. Do not batten down the hatches. Use this opportunity to get creative um, and look out for that creativity. We'll be out there giving some creative tips. If you just find us and follow us, we'll better uh, share some of those insights and what other great people are doing in these troubled times that we're in. Brilliant. Great stuff. Thank you very, very much. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please feel free to leave a five-star review and share it with friends and family and people that may very well need to hear what we've chatted about today. As always, if you need help with anything, please feel free to visit thepropertyunleashed.com where there's free tools and resources to help you on your property investing and mindset journey. So that all leaves me to say, keep focusing on your vision, keep pushing yourself forward and join me on the next episode. You take care and bye for now. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe and share the podcast with others. And if you could take a minute to leave the show a review, that would really mean a lot to me as well. Lastly, why not head over to the Property Unleashed Facebook group? And if you do, I'll see you there. Take care and make sure you keep focusing on your vision. Bye for now.